It was career day, the day these two brothers would step up to answer the question their mom and dad asked while they were growing up. So what do you want to be when you grow up? The old one watched his dad work from sunup until sundown until he turned the ground into a garden and brought home armloads of fruit and vegetables. It looked like hard work, but it looked like rewarding work. If he did his work right, he would fill his days filling his belly, so he decided to be a farmer just like dad. The younger watched his dad take care of the flocks. He listened as he named each new lamb and watched him love each lamb like another son or daughter. He had a soft spot in his heart for animals. If he did his work right, he would fill his day filling the pens with flocks, so he decided to be a shepherd, much like his dad. Cain went this way to work the ground. Abel went that way to watch sheep sleep. The first ever career day was a smashing success. Two sons, two careers, two happy parents, two happy boys. It was a Disney short ready to record. And Adam took time with Cain to show him how deep to plant the seeds, how far apart to plant the seeds, how to pull the weeds, when to pull the weeds. And every time he pulled a pesky weed, Adam remembered that tricky serpent and that forbidden fruit. Truth be told, it didn't taste that good. It didn't taste good enough to pull weeds under the forgiving sun all day. Adam took time with Abel to show him what to feed the flocks, when to walk them, how to heal them. He also taught them a very valuable lesson every parent needs to teach every child. Every good gift we have comes from God. When you take inventory of your life and find any good gifts, I can tell you the return address without one glance at the card. When your boss promotes you or your banker approves you, or you open the mailbox and find money, or you open the door and find groceries, that's all from God. Your neighbor or your boss may be the delivery driver, but read the return address in James chapter 1. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We are what we are. We have what we have by the amazing grace of God. Adam and Eve taught Cain and Abel. They were blessed because God had blessed them. And now it was time to bless God. Good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to The First Family Feud on Simplify. Cain and Abel knew it was time to bless God for how much he had blessed them. So Cain went to his garden, picked an armload of produce, and brought it to God. Abel went to his flocks and searched every sheep until he found the best he could find. He found the firstlings of his flock. They were with him the longest. They might have even felt a little like a son or daughter. Abel knew this offering would cost him dearly, deeply, but God was worthy of his best, so Abel sacrificed his firstborn favorites and brought them to God. And God was so pleased with Abel. He knew how much it cost him to give God his best, but he knew Abel's heart and knew Abel believed God was worthy of his best, no matter the cost. God accepted Abel in his offering. Okay, one down, one to go. It didn't go so well with Cain. Something was wrong with Cain and his offering. Scripture doesn't tell us he brought the first fruits from the garden, doesn't even apply Cain took any time to find the best he could find to give to God. Seems to imply Cain went into the garden, loaded up his arms with whatever he found, and brought it to God, and God would have to accept it because at least he tried. But God did not have to accept it, and God did not have to accept him. Worship is not like donating to a thrift store where we give God whatever we have laying around we don't want anymore. 
God is worthy of the best we have to give. But worship isn't like an episode of Chopped either. This wasn't a contest to see which offering God would accept and which he would reject. Let's see who's on the chopping block. Not at all. If, if they both came to God with faith and gratitude, they both would have pleased God, and God would have been pleased with both of them. But by the end of the day, it was very clear God was pleased with Abel and his offering, but not with Cain or his. And everybody wants to know why. Why didn't God accept Cain and his offering? One of my favorite sections of our local newspaper, the Mount Vernon News, used to be the man-on-the-street interviews. I love those, where the reporter goes up and down the sidewalks looking for people with an opinion. It takes more time to eat one Skittle than it takes to find somebody with an opinion willing to share it. So they ask him questions. How do you feel about potholes or taxes or dogs off leashes? And then they publish some of the answers on the front page. And you find that people have an opinion on pretty much everything. Well, the same is true with Genesis 4. Genesis is fairly hush-hush about why God rejected Cain and his offering. So people have filled the silence with their opinions. And many of them could be right. Maybe it's because Cain gave God whatever he could find. Maybe it's because God required a blood sacrifice and Cain just gave fruit. There's even a story that the winner of the worship war would get a prize from mom and dad. But the answer to the question of Genesis 4-4 can be found in Hebrews 11-4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. We know that. Through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. It wasn't so much that Abel came with flocks. It was that Abel came with faith. It wasn't about flocks and fruit. It was about faith. Abel brought faith. Cain didn't. Simple as that. Abel came to church with faith. He believed God is. He believed God rewards those who diligently seek him. Let's not go to church on Sunday just because that's what we do. Let's go to church because we love Jesus and we want to bless him. He's worthy of our best worship. Let's go to God. Let's go to church with faith that God is, and he rewards those who diligently seek him. And let's give God our very best. I, I see a young Abel walking through the sheep pens, looking for the best of show, the Blue Ribbon County Fair award-winning sheep to give to God. Abel might have shed a tear or two knowing how much he loved these flocks, but he was willing to give the very best to God to show God how much he loved him by giving him the best. Our generation needs more Abel's who love God and worship God because we want to, not because we have to. We need Abel's who live to worship. We are worshipers at work. We are worshipers at home. We are worshipers at school. We are worshipers at church. We are worshipers when we're standing in the 10 items or less line behind somebody with 25 items or more. We are worshipers everywhere, every day, because God is worthy of our best worship everywhere, every day. Abel came with faith. Cain did not. And at the end of the day, Abel was thrilled, and Cain was not. Cain's blood boiled. As he sat on the ground, his elbows on his knees, his head in his hands, shaking his head, what did I do wrong? I did everything I was supposed to do. God wanted an offering. I brought him an offering. What more does he want from me? Cain's real issue was his heart, not his offering. If his heart was right, his offering would have been right. But his heart was not right, because after God rejected him and accepted his baby brother, Cain's response was rage, not repentance. He should have said, God, I'm sorry. I don't know what I did wrong, but if you'll forgive me and let me know, I'll make it right. I want to do this right. Instead, Cain looked over to the fire that fell from heaven on Abel's sacrifice, and 
he saw that big goofy grin on Abel's face because God accepted him. And Cain was mad, stark raving mad, rabid mad. Maybe mad at God, definitely mad at Abel. And while Cain's blood boiled, God spoke. What's the matter, Cain? Felt a little bit like a needle. Not a good time, God. And God told Cain, you'll be accepted. You want to be accepted? You'll be accepted. You just have to do what's right. Simple as that. But if you refuse to do what's right, watch out. Sin is crouching at the door. It's eager to control you. You must subdue sin. You must be its master. Cain, sin is like a lion lying in wait for you to be so weak. It pounces on you and rips you limb from limb, but you have to destroy it before it destroys you. Do you see the mercy of God? As God mercifully reached for Cain before Cain did something he would regret, Cain ignored God. All he could think about was that one worship service where God loved Abel's song much more than Cain's. He felt the searing sting of rejection, and then he felt jealousy, and he had finally had enough. So one day, while he and his baby brother were out alone in the field, nobody else around, Cain ambushed Abel and killed him. We're only two generations into the human race, and we've already got premeditated murder on our record, not our finest hour. Once again, God spoke to Cain. Where is your baby brother, Cain? Not a good time, God. I don't know where he is. <laughs> Add perjury to the charges. Am I my brother's keeper? Short answer, yes. God let Cain know he knows what Cain did and told him his brother's blood cries out to him from the ground. Now Cain is cursed. He'll be a fugitive the rest of his life on the run, not able to really rest. But this is Cain's chance to right his wrongs. He can't bring his brother back, but he can right his relationship with God. All he has to do is repent. Tell God he's sorry for what he did wrong and ask God for forgiveness. Cain, repentance is your best option. But instead, Cain complains. Really, God? You call that fair? This punishment is greater than I can bear. You've driven me out from the face of the ground. You've even driven me out from your face. I'm going to be a fugitive. I'm going to be a wonder. And here's my favorite part. Everybody who finds me will kill me. <laughs> Dramatic much? I don't know how possible it is for everybody to kill Cain again and again and again and again, but he thought it was. So in his mercy, God set a mark on Cain to protect him and keep everybody who found him from killing him. And then the very sad part of the story, the scripture records Cain turned and walked away. It doesn't have to end like that. Cain didn't have to go out from the presence of the Lord and be a fugitive the rest of his life. All he had to do was repent. God was willing to protect him. Surely God would have forgiven him. But rather than repent, Cain just walked away and lived the rest of his days regretful, all because he did not, he would not, repent. You probably haven't done anything near as evil, as wicked, as unconscionable as what Cain did. But if you have sinned at any moment in your life, at any way, at any time, you need to repent. Same is true with me. The only way to be right with God is to come to Him in faith and repentance. Come to God with the faith of Abel that He is great enough to forgive the sins of Cain and God will forgive you and give you a far brighter future than you ever had in your past. I'd like us to pray that the Lord would help us 
not to make the same mistake Cain made, not to walk away from God, but rather to run to him and repent and ask him to forgive us and that our story will end much better than Cain's story did. Lord Jesus, I love you with all my heart. If there's anything in my life that shouldn't be there, please forgive me. If there's anything I've done or said, hurt anybody, if I've hurt you, if I'm mad at anyone mad at you, God, please forgive me. If I've given you less than my best in worship, if I am not a worshiper anywhere but church, God, please forgive me. I pray minister to those who are listening to this. Help all of us to have a far better story than Cain's. Help us to have the faith of Abel, that you are able to forgive all of our sins. I pray it. I thank you for it. You are gracious. You are merciful. Help us, Lord, to run to you in repentance and know that your mercy will cover us once again in the precious, powerful, merciful name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks so much, Simplify listeners. Be sure to click subscribe and share. I've got great news. Next episode is going to be our 200th episode. That is awesome. The crowd goes wild. (sighs) Thank you for your loyalty. Thank you for sharing Simplify. Thank you for making it part of your devotional walk, your life with Jesus. I want to hear from you. Let me know if Simplify has been a blessing to you. I want to hear, just share maybe a story about an episode or something that has ministered to you or God has dealt with you about something and, and it will encourage all of us. So just share it in the comments and let me know what Simplify has meant to you as we get ready to go into our 200th episode. Also, head over to PentecostalPublishing.com, type in promo code SIMPLIFY at the checkout, and you can save 10% off your order if you haven't already used promo code SIMPLIFY before. Save 10% off your order for everything, including a couple of books I've written. One is called Simplify, the devotional that launched this podcast, and the other is 10 Words. It's a practical look at the Ten Commandments. You can get those at PentecostalPublishing.com or Amazon for Kindle, or you can listen to 10 Words on Audible if you would rather listen than read. Our 200th episode continues our walk through the story of Genesis, and we are going to hear about the floating zoo. If you are a Bible scholar, you probably figured Based on where we are and that clue, we're going to be listening to about Noah. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week on our 200th episode. And always look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.